good afternoon. You're listening to Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church. Stephen Pollock is the pastor of the Free Presbyterian Church of Malvern, Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us today as he opens the Word of God and lets the Bible speak. Well, please turn in the Scriptures to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew 6, verse 9. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. One of the consequences of being well-versed in the doctrines of grace is that we struggle when we read the words of Matthew 6 and the verse number 15. If ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. We know, being well-versed in the doctrines of grace, we know that salvation and forgiveness are acts of God's free grace. They are acts of God's that are entirely undeserved. We don't merit or earn forgiveness with our works. Yet, doesn't it not sound in this verse that our forgiveness of others is a condition of God's forgiveness of us? In other words, we often read it this way. Unless we forgive others, we won't be forgiven. And the question then arises, does that not make forgiveness a work whereby we, by that work, secure God's forgiveness? This is a vital part of our study in this petition, this fifth petition, and forgive us our debts, verse 12, as we forgive our debtors. Verse 12 clearly shows that there is a connection between divine forgiveness and human forgiveness. Forgive us as we forgive our debtors. Matthew 18 confirms that. And we see that in, in Matthew 18, and we've read the verse number 35. My heavenly Father shall do also to you, if ye from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother their trespasses. And the sense is, there will not be divine forgiveness if there is not human forgiveness. In Matthew 18, there are two debts in view. Perhaps you could turn there again, and we'll, we'll spend some time studying this parable together tonight. There are two debts in view, and one commentator has put it this way, and again, it's a British commentator, and he suggests that the difference in the debt is between one million pounds and ten pounds. You must be very careful when you come to study these parables. When you look at a parable of Christ, the most important thing to do at the beginning is to search for that one main key lesson, and Having found that key lesson, then be careful about interpreting every detail around that lesson. Clearly, God does not forgive and then change his mind. 
God does not forgive this man his debt and then change his mind and throw him to the tormentors in verse number 34. The point of the parable is to teach Peter that he is to forgive his brother seven times 70, or 70 times 7, verse number 22. So the point of the parable is the importance of horizontal forgiveness. And if they are not forgiven, then our Father does not forgive our sins. So what you see, uh, not only in, in Matthew, but also in portions that we'll see later on in Ephesians 4 and Colossians 3, that there is a very clear connection between human forgiveness and divine forgiveness. You, you, you can't deny the connection. But the question is, what is the nature of the connection? Let me remind you again that forgiveness here in the Lord's Prayer is not related to our justification, but to our sanctification. We saw that last time. This petition is to be the prayer of a justified, reconciled sinner. These prayers are given by Christ to his disciples. These are prayers that they pray. Those who have come to know forgiveness. And so there is an importance of having forgiveness even as part and parcel of our ongoing Christian experience that in our daily sanctification there is a need for this forgiveness. And so then, this being part of our sanctification, it's not inconceivable that there is a condition being placed. God will forgive our sins in terms of relational communion when we forgive the sins of others. To not forgive sins is a sin. And therefore is a barrier to your communion with God. So there's a sense in which there could be that connection. But I don't think that's it at all. I don't think, and I want to make it very clear to you now in case you're, you're wondering what's going on here. I don't think that this is so much a matter of a condition. That we meet this condition and thereby secure forgiveness. Because there is an order in the advance here. There's an order between God forgiving us and our forgiving others. In the parable of Matthew 18, it is the king that forgives first. And after the king forgives, then the servant is duty bound also to forgive. Listen to the Lord's Prayer in Luke chapter 11. And it says here, And forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And note the word also. For we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. God forgives us, and we then also forgive others. It is not that we forgive and then God forgives us. It's the other way around. God forgives us and then we also in turn forgive others. And so in Matthew chapter 6 with the, the Lord's Prayer, the as in verse number 12, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, that as can be used to convey the idea that our forgiving others results from God's forgiveness and not the way round. It's not that we forgive and then God forgives us. 
Rather, it is that God forgives us and then we forgive others. Now that, of course, is exactly what is taught in the epistles in a portion like Ephesians chapter 4 and the verse number 32. Forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. It says, you are forgiven by God. You are there to show that forgiveness in how you deal with others in your interactions. So so I hope you appreciate immediately when you are studying this part of the Lord's Prayer. That the idea is that, that it is God who in his grace has forgiven those who do not deserve forgiveness. And at no point do your actions merit God's forgiveness. So keeping that in mind, let me just emphasize a few very important truths. First of all, forgiveness of others is the right response to grace. A forgiving heart is the proper response to knowing the grace of God. The parable, Matthew 18. You've been forgiven a million pounds and you're going to take a man by the throat over ten pounds. You've missed the point, haven't you? We forgive as those who have ourselves been forgiven. For a Christian not to have a forgiving spirit is to have a hypocritical spirit, willing to receive forgiveness, but not willing to give forgiveness. And at the very core of that hypocrisy, there is a lack of true appreciation for the gospel. Because what we are saying there in many ways is, We understand that we didn't merit forgiveness and therefore God forgives us, though it's undeserved. But others, they've got to merit it. They've got to earn it in some way before we even begin to forgive them. And we we put conditions upon others that God does not put upon ourselves. And so we've forgotten the gospel. We've forgotten the unpayable nature of our debts. The size of our sin. The offense to God. And how undeserving is God's mercy. We forgot all of those things. And forgetting the cost of our forgiveness. Forgetting the coming of Christ and the cross. We then have a reluctance to forgive the sins of others. I don't think you need to hear this very often but let me say it to you anyway a low view of sin will always lead to problems in our lives we won't love Christ as we ought to love Christ and we won't be quick to forgive others of their sins forgiveness and a forgiving heart is always the right response to grace and so the remedy for an unforgiving heart is a greater grasp of the gospel but beyond that An unforgiving heart may indicate an unregenerate heart. Where there is a lack of willingness to forgive others, it may well be the case that there is an unregenerate heart, or at least certainly a very cold and backslidden heart. And I think that's why Matthew 6 verse 15 can say, But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. 
Not because you earn the forgiveness, but because your lack of willingness to forgive is an indication of your heart before God. And we'll say more of that in a moment or two. So forgiveness of others is the right response to grace. But secondly, the forgiveness of others is a reflection of the gospel. Those who have been forgiven will delight in being godlike in turn forgiving others. It's a glorious opportunity. What a privilege it is. What a privilege that man had in that parable. Ten pounds old. He catches him by the throat. What an opportunity he had to say to that man, you can't pay me, but I'll forgive you. And a spirit of forgiveness is a living parable of the grace of God. And the, the servant missed this. Missed the point that he could, he could reflect the character of the king in his attitude towards others. So forgiveness is the right response to grace. Forgiveness is the reflection of the gospel. And thirdly, forgiveness of others is a direct result of grace. Matthew 18 again. If you look there, Matthew 18 and the verse number 34 shows us that ultimately an unforgiving soul is one who's delivered to the tormentors. And his Lord was wroth, verse 34, and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. And the point in that is he could not pay that debt ever. And so it says in verse 35, So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you. It's a parable. There's a fixed amount, but our sins are infinite. There is no amount to calculate in our sins. It's beyond our comprehension. It's beyond our repayment. And so we're going to be delivered to the tormentors for all eternity if we have an unforgiving spirit. And so... Who are those who are delivered to hell's fire forever? They are those who are out of Christ. They are those who do not know Christ. They are those who are still in the deadness of their sin. So the point is that those who have an unforgiving spirit, they're showing evidence of an unregenerate, unconverted heart. The truth here. It is more than simply that we are to forgive as those who are forgiven. Rather, we forgive from a changed heart. When we have a heart for horizontal human forgiveness, it's an indication that God has worked in us by his grace. We forgive out of grace, not into grace. So be clear again that this forgiving spirit is an evidence of God's saving grace. So I hope those things... At least in some part will will help you understand the, the nature of this petition. That we are praying, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And at the core of the petition, there's a recognition that we have no right to expect God's forgiveness as long as we are unwilling to extend that forgiveness to others. So let me conclude with just some concluding questions that really are questions of application here. First of all, what are we to forgive? Well, we are to forgive offences. We're to forgive 
debts. That's what's involved here. Forgive us our debts. Over to Matthew 18, you have the language of trespass. Verse 15, moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee. This is not about monetary debt. This is not about the fact that somebody owes you some money and you're going to forgive that money. We're, we're talking about moral debt here. We're talking about forgiving sin. It's very important. Because sometimes the issue is, is not that somebody has sinned against somebody else. It is that somebody has been perhaps oversensitive. We're, we're dealing here with the fact that if you are going to challenge someone that they have sinned against you, you must be able to be clear that it's sin that they've committed. And then in turn, we are going to forgive sin. Not that somebody has caused us annoyance, but rather that there has been an act of sin against us. And it reminds us again of the importance of what we're doing here. We're forgiving. We're forgiving moral offense. We're forgiving trespasses. How are we to forgive? Well, the language is clear. As God forgives. Even as God. Ephesians chapter 4 and the verse number 32. You look at the parable again, Matthew 18. And we're told, So likewise shall my heavenly Father also do unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not. It's an internal, sincere forgiveness. What does forgiveness look like? Well, when we forgive someone, we do not treat them as their sins deserve. If someone sins against you, there's a, a breakdown in the relationship. You could, you could be justified at keeping them at a distance. They, they don't deserve to be in the closeness of fellowship, and therefore you keep them away. But if we forgive as God forgives, then we do not treat them as their sins deserve. If we forgive as God forgives, then we must choose to remember their sins no more. God's not forgetful, and we're not forgetful. It takes an active choice of the will to determine in our spirits that we will not harbor their sins against them. And we choose to remember their sins no more. We stop punishing them for their sins and we seek to restore fellowship. We cease from anger. This is how the Lord forgives us. He doesn't forgive us and stay angry with us. We believe in the doctrine of propitiation that Christ shed his blood, that God's wrath would be appeased and turned away so that when he forgives us, he ceases to be angry with us. And that's a challenge here. We are to forgive as God forgives when are we to forgive? Matthew 18 gives us some idea of the, of the when. Verse 21, Peter says, How oft shall thy, my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? Till seven times? And the Lord says, Until seventy times seven. In essence, every time the offending party asks for forgiveness. Verse 15 is the beginning of Matthew 18 is the beginning of the detailing of the important doctrine of church discipline. 
And how do we deal with offences within the, the congregation? If thy brother trespass against thee, go tell him his fault between thee and him alone, if he shall hear thee. What does that mean? Doesn't doesn't simply mean that he, he sits down and says, Well, you accuse me of this sin, I hear you, you've got to forgive me. That's not it at all. It's not simply a matter that the, the brother opens his ear to hear the, the, the rebuke. No, the hearing here is an acceptance of the accusation. That someone comes and says, you have sinned against me. And they detail the sin. They show the sin in the word of God. And then the party who hears says, yes, I hear that. I accept that. And what do they do? They repent of that sin. We have that in Luke chapter 17, which is a parallel account of Matthew chapter 18. Luke 17 uh, puts it in, in very clear terms. Luke 17 and the verse number 3. Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. Not the begrudging, I'm sorry. But the expression of confession, I did wrong. I have sinned against you. Please forgive me. Uh, all of you who've ever tried to parent children will understand how easy it is to say I'm sorry. And how difficult it is to repent. Because we know our own hearts. And there are times when we've been challenged with sins and we, we easily say, oh, I'm sorry, because we think that sorry is this magic word that just fixes all these problems. Just simply say sorry. But actually, when you study it, there's a, there's a reality here of, of repentance, a, a turning away from the behavior. And so you rebuke them, they repent, and you're then obligated to forgive them. But what about the next day? Well, when they repent, you do it again. And you continue 70 times 7. There's an ongoing forgiving spirit. There is no upper limit. You've had your last chance. You're done. That's us finished with. There is no upper limit in the church of Jesus Christ. And furthermore, we are not at liberty to place demands upon how we judge their sincerity. They didn't cry enough. They didn't cry at all. They mustn't have meant it when they said they're sorry. It's only from the teeth out. Just remember, God is pleased to forgive our sins, even when our repentance is less than perfect. God does not pray, praise his name. He does not demand perfect repentance before he forgives our sins. Sincerity, yes. But perfection of sincerity, no. He is pleased to forgive us. We must take those who ask for forgiveness on face value. Remember, God forgives us before our repentance is proven. Let that sink in. When you come to faith in Christ and you turn away from your sins... At the moment you confess Christ and repent of your sins, at that very moment you know forgiveness of God. But the proof of that repentance may take weeks and months to materialize, but God does not 
Forgive us then. He forgives us when we repent. Although the evidence proceeds further. And so it must be with our spirit. We must be ready to forgive. When the person who offends us says that they repent and they ask of our forgiveness. So we are to forgive because we've known God's grace. We are to forgive because we have been forgiven. We are to forgive because it is the godly thing to do. We are to forgive because Christ by his blood has shown us the importance of forgiveness. Oh yes, there is a pathway in Matthew 18. The brother may not hear you. You may need to proceed down the line of church discipline. You may go down the line whereby they're actually put out of the church and they're like a heathen and a public and there is a possibility that you may live your life never being able to be reconciled to one who once professed to be your brother. There is a possibility that you won't know that. But you cannot control the action of others. But you must make sure that your heart is always ready to forgive. Those are the very words used of God. He is ready to forgive. You see, in Ephesians chapter 4, in the context of the church of Christ, we are to put away all bitterness and wrath and anger and forgive one another. A bitter Wrathful spirit destroys a church prayer meeting. A bitter, wrathful spirit destroys a home. A bitter, wrathful spirit destroys a marriage. A bitter, wrathful spirit destroys a friendship. There's all sorts of benefits when we do this life God's way. And when we have the spirit that is a godly spirit, that we are prepared to pray, forgive, forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. It's when you pray, forgive us our debts, you remember, you remember your own sinfulness. And you're a lot quicker to forgive the sins of others. It's a very challenging petition. I, I, I find the real challenge to my own spirit. And may God help us to pray it carefully. Could unanswered prayer in our churches and unanswered prayer in our homes be due to a bitter and unforgiving spirit? Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Let the Bible Speak from Malvern Free Presbyterian Church. We extend an invitation to all to join us as we worship the Lord each week. You will be made very welcome. The church is situated at 80 Mallon Road, Malvern, Pennsylvania. We meet for worship on the Lord's Day at 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. A Bible study and prayer meeting is also held on Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. If you'd like more information about the gospel or the church, please call 610-993-3170. That's 610-993-3170. Or email malvernfpc at yahoo.com. We preach Christ crucified.